ladies and gentlemen, for this very special episode of the archive, just assume everything is a spoiler. Thank you. I'm John. I'm Nick. I'm Adam. And I'm Drew. And you're listening to the archive, our ever growing library of everything, one hour at a time. I think Nick is. No, John is. John Nick is. threw a tear and tantrum about it. <laughs> no one's acknowledging that fantastic word I made it's up. It's good. It's it's really yeah, good. I, I chortled. No, I mean in Slack. I've used it the, at least twice. Tear and tantrum. I said you had one, and I said Nick had one. I don't think I realized that you said it in Slack that it was a tear and tantrum. Yeah. I thought you just said no, it was no. A I said that's and that's how good it is. Yeah, you just slide it right in there. It right felt by so the sensors. natural. Speaking of uh, speaking of language, do you guys know <laughs> the Muffin Man? What they call the archive in France? Ooh, I didn't go into a Burger King. Le <laughs> archive <laughs> because of the metric system. It's probably layer archive. archive. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I never thought about how we probably don't translate very well um, across, across in, languages. As opposed to in English. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a name, so it would just be like l'archive. I mean, it would be nothing different. Well, there's a French word for hour, though. Air. Yes, but that's right. But right, never mind. I'm not getting it. He's not getting it, Drew. A couple well, of weeks ago... <laughs> I think it was Adam and I were talking about uh, something. And, that uh, checks out. Yeah. And then somehow the subject of Tarantino came up, and I think we both had like a kind of raised eyebrow moment. Mm-hmm. We realized we hadn't talking. We hadn't talking. We hadn't Taren talked about Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> we hadn't done the Tarantino episode. This uh, is correct. We have talked in the past, various uh, alignments of this group have talked about certain Tarantino movies, but we've never talked about the man himself at length, or a cumulative assessment. So that's what we're going to do today. And it's a good time for it, because he had a new movie come out this past Thursday. Right. That is correct. Should we uh, categorize this within our auteurs? Excuse me. (laughs) Uh, run of episodes. That that was so loud, I thought it came from me. (laughs) I was like, did I? I really would like that to be removed, but... No way. No way. That's going to be enhanced. And anytime you say the word auteurs... Can can that be our new uh, auteur theme music? Exactly. Oh, sorry. I was still wrapping my head around it. put the Edgar Wright one under the auteurs? I don't know that we did, but we can revisit it. We don't have to. Repackage it. I forgot about the auteurs series. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. We we started, I think we did one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Series. Um, the term was usually, and loosely. And our first auteur was, who who did we do? I'll look it up. Yeah. Oh, I need my notes too. Was it um, Kubrick? 
No, it's not. You'll be no, mad. We haven't done a Kubrick yet. <gasps> we haven't um, done a Kubrick. Oh, I'll it'll, be mad. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure it'll make you angry, whoever we selected. Um, Michael Bay. Was it Edgar Wright? No, we already did that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know who would make me mad. Well, you'll just be like, oh, that's an auteur in your eyes or something like that, you know? Oh, okay. That's that's the general public, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John's looking it up. Okay, no, we did. I know we did a Wes Anderson later. We did. Oh, that Gosh, should probably that go on the auteur series, too, guys. <laughs> yeah. You guys. Um, Rise. Rise. <laughs> probably haven't done, like... John Waters. Okay, uh, so we... Oh, actually... Great one. Actually, the episode was just auteurs. It was I, movie director's auteurs. I was going to okay. ask that. So there was so no series. We discussed <laughs> John Waters, Quentin Tarantino... We just watched Cry, ba- Cry Baby for the first time a couple weeks ago. Huh. Kevin Smith. That's a weird movie. It's I mean, I knew movie. it was going to be. But. Guillermo del Toro, Wes Anderson, mm. and Edgar Wright. Well, and now we've been slowly that. going through actually doing individual episodes. Yeah. Of guys. Yeah. yeah. I like this. I like this. Well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I mean, I do. I'm an asshole. But... <laughs> We do to me, too. I mean, I'm the nice guy. Uh, you're the nice one. Uh, that's what uh, non-nice guys actually say. That's true. <laughs> they say that they're the nice guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know who's not a nice guy? Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. He's kind of an ass. He's, yeah. I would add a hole to that. <laughs> Wait, a whole ass? An asshole. A whole asshole. Yeah. I don't know that I agree with that, but uh, he definitely has a... Uh, 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 reputation for being uh, an asshole. His personality precedes him. Mm. Uh, so what? What is? Uh, we'll do this roundtable thing. Tarantino, starting with Adam. How does Tarantino factor into your <laughs> what you, world? We go with this. Um, one of my favorite directors. Um, when I was in college, uh, the very first time I tried to college, uh, in my uh, one of my classes, we were having a competition of best director. And I convinced my group to choose Tarantino. Every other group chose Spielberg. This was just like you're picking what the best director. Yeah, just give in reasons why. Oh, okay. like you know, state who you think the best director is, and give reasons to back this up. Do you remember any reasons? Um, as far as I think is so, this would have been ninety seven. Yeah, late ninety seven. So post uh, Jackie Brown. I think it was either right around Jackie Brown, or maybe right before Jackie Brown. I think Jackie Brown was December of ninety seven. So it wouldn't would be before. It wouldn't before Jackie Brown. Um, and I basically said. So now he has his, two movies out plus four rooms. Three movies. Oh yeah, that's right. Preceding Jackie Brown. Yeah. 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 So, but I just said his voice and his style is so unique and so different that it he's hands down one of the. Uh, Not one of the, the oh the yeah the, yeah. yeah. It was, was twenty two years ago. So forgive my brain. I can't remember last week. Um, I just I found his voice to be new and visceral and refreshing and something I'd never experienced before. I wouldn't say his so. voice is refreshing myself, but <laughs> <laughs> his, his vision maybe. Yes, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> Reservoir Dogs like. And not necessarily in a good way, but that movie, like, messed me up. Mm-hmm. Um, as in, like, it was, I was like, holy crap. Kind of what I was talking about in the uh, percolator this week. A lot of, I don't get a lot of reactions to things. Yeah. But that, a lot of times in the movie, I was, like, cringing <coughs> and, like, 
uncomfortable and mm. just mm-hmm. a lot of stuff does not do that. So people apparently walked out of the premiere. Reservoir Dogs. A whole bunch of people. I wouldn't doubt yeah. it. Uh, Reservoir Dogs came out. He didn't, I didn't say I was done. He didn't go to you. <laughs> I didn't I care. did visually go to him. <laughs> oh. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I pointed the camera at him. So Gotcha. Adam, would you like to finish? Too I'm bad. <laughs> so Reservoir Dogs came out when I was. Uh, I'm the nice guy. <laughs> it's funny that you keep saying nice guy because it, it came out. Um, when I was I'm go- nice guy Eddie. When I was exactly mm-hmm. uh, yeah. when I was going into a film class in high school, and my uh, still best friend Bo, uh, this was like revelatory to him. Like he just immediately worshipped him. Every project we did, Bo was spray painting guns that he bought at Walmart to to be black for our movies that were all you know Tarantino were gangster boss. movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had a, um, God, I don't remember. He had like a beautiful old convertible canary yellow. Beautiful. Someone said grandma. Beautiful old grandma. Canary <laughs> <laughs> yellow just grandma. beautiful. Um, God, just fox. Yeah, just really straight up just fox. like statuesque. Uh, <laughs> maybe a just Skylark? A, I'm not sure. An old grandma. You just... An old classic car. And the license plate on it I said, mean, nice guy. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. The, the, the classic car is as ridiculous as the grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard <laughs> anyone sincerely wax poetic about a classic car that hasn't been on a documentary about classic cars <laughs> or has been a joke caricature of someone who loves classic or cars. Or Jay Leno. Well, or Jay Leno. You know, I'm not a big car person, but this for just beautiful in high school (laughs) to have a pristine cherry convertible classic Mm. car. What year? Wow. What a car. Uh, No, (laughs) I'll look into it. I'll get a picture of it. There you go. Put that bad boy in the show notes. Check it out in the show notes. Find out. Bo, where'd you get this car, man? Ooh. That is... Nice. So wait, this was this was Bo's car. I just imagine Nick. He walks. He's like he's like rubbing it with a towel. Like, yeah, <laughs> I got it all cleaned that up for you, Mister Foster. Classic car. Ah, nice. Got this, a little this bit was of turtle Bo's wax. car. This was Bo's car. Yeah, Bo knows and cars. He, he had the license plate "Nice Guy" as a reference to "Nice Guy Eddie." Yes, and okay. um, he also like carried on this nickname. And when he had his first, he he was trying to acquire that as a, a nickname. Yeah. Um, when he when he had a answering machine for the first time, he would record these silly answering machine messages. It was a nice guy, Bo. Uh, well, it, <laughs> but it, he had an ongoing I'm bit. Putting that gun to my dad. <laughs> it was nice guy's Parisian cat house, and he would like talk about all how many uh, they have the best lesbians there and stuff like that. And <laughs> it's totally inappropriate. Admittingly, if. If this we were all, oh, if we I heard know, that voice, we no, thought we were thinking back no, then that I was have, hilarious. Yeah, I have, Who is the coolest person I know? I have zero judgment of that. Yes, yes. Absolutely. But uh, what the was, car thing. What was great <laughs> was that the girl I was dating in high school's mom was a lesbian, and one time she called it, they, for whatever reasons, heard it, thought it was the funniest thing in the world, like called all her friends and would just like, that became something she would do to call him just to hear his answering machine message. That's Fantastic. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. 90s. 
Tarantino was huge. Uh, I <laughs> like Car was great. Dogs, but Pulp Fiction was, you know, the one that sealed the deal that had because Reservoir Dogs is just like kind of. Uh, you watch your horror mouth right now. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't have the levity that all of his other movies, I think, had. Like it, it definitely, He's still learning his yeah. his approach, and it's so like. It, throughout his career, I think he's gotten less Tarantino-ish. Like, his early movies, if you go back and watch them, um, the dialogue is so heavy-handed, and every character sounds like it's just straight yeah, out of his mouth. Talking. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and this is not... I'm, I don't say this glibly. You feel that that is no longer the case? I, I think he's gotten better at it. I think all of his movies... Dialogue is his strong suit. Um one of he's I think he's just a great director, but um but I I've liked every single one of his movies. Um I love Jackie Brown. A lot of people think that's like the weak one. Uh Four Rooms I don't think I've seen since it came out, but <laughs> he had a small hand in that. Up oh, finger joke. Um <laughs> that featured heavily in that scene. Yeah. Oh right. Uh and I mean I know we're gonna get to it, but I thought his latest movie was one of, if not the strongest. Wow, high praise. So you've been you've been a fan. Both of you guys have been consistently a fan of his work across all of yeah the stuff he's put out. And I, Adam and I are of course in the exact same generation, and exact I, same age. I think right. you hit it on the head that like his voice, um, when we were at that perfect time in high school. Um, you guys wouldn't know this year. Little babies. Little yeah. babies. Um, same year as you guys, but yeah. not me, John, but that he, he, he was the filmmaker of our generation yeah. and inspired so many more after yeah, it. Not of your generation. No. Right. You, no. Yeah. You guys are like, um, eight heads in a duffel bag generation. <laughs> That's post, please, please. I mean, to do in like, Denver <laughs> while you're yeah, dead. Yeah. Feel like <laughs> we've got the better. True, true romance. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I left out True Romance. He wrote you True did. Romance, but did not direct. Did not direct. Yeah, actually, well, well, we'll get yeah, it. We're talking about his writing. Well, we're going to talk about his writing, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to jump the gun, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, Terrifying. Drew. Oh my! Tackle Tarantino in your own voice. Okay. Um, I think I like. His movies less the the longer I exist. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Can you extrapolate ex- that? I, Thank you, John. I will. Uh, I was going to. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Go on. But you interrupted me to ask me to continue speaking, Drew. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can remember. Believe it or not, I was also in high school when I heard about Quentin Tarantino, despite the fact that I was born two years after those two and two well, years after John. You were a baby, but you were also lame, so you didn't hear about him until much later. <laughs> That's true. That's all, that is, all of that is true. Um, and I was... I don't know if you guys experienced this, but as I was getting into movies, there the you started to acquire this checklist of like, oh, if I'm going to be into movies, these are the movies I have to watch and like. And if I don't like them, then I'm not actually into movies. Yeah. I had 
similar to that. I let myself off the hook a little bit that even if I didn't like it personally, maybe I would act like I like that in front of people, but I would never. So if someone's like, oh, I love the blah, 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 I just wouldn't say anything. Yeah. If, well, I didn't, if I didn't like it. I was, I would just convince myself that I liked it or, or at the very least you'd be like, oh yeah, that's great. That is a great movie. And so, like, with Reservoir Dogs, I was like, man, this is really good. I love this. You know, that was sort of my um, take on it. This is a movie that people who like movies... Yeah, like. you're supposed to like this so did, one. But yeah. did you actually like it or no? No. Okay. Um, I never watched it after the first time I watched it. Gotcha. And I never saw Pulp Fiction. Um, and oh, yeah, you still haven't seen it. Still haven't seen it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I never will see it. Um, I haven't seen it because yet. Because of my reactions? Huh? Because of my over-the-top reactions when you haven't seen things? No, no, no. I just... Well, one, I love telling people I haven't seen a movie like that. <laughs> That's that's a good... Makes me happy. Yeah. It's and, a good party conversation. And the bigger reaction I get from that, the better. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it's I, too bad you saw Star Wars. I know, <laughs> I know, but I haven't seen Godfather or any of them, so that one's really good. I've never seen uh, Titanic. I don't think anyone would be like, "What?" <laughs> uh, at certain point in time, yeah, maybe people lost their shit. Yeah. to that, it was great. Now people would. Probably um, so I've only seen. I've not seen all nine of his current mm-hmm. slate of films. I've I've seen. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Are we ever going to do a list of nation of those films? No. Okay. Too easy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Can just Drew do the list nation? No. So we can name them all? <laughs> I haven't seen, or I have seen Reservoir Dogs. I have not seen Pulp Fiction. I have not seen Jackie Brown. Um, I have seen Four Rooms. I know that's not his film, but he's got the one. He has one of the rooms. One of the rooms. Um, I have seen uh, Kill Bill. Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. Are those two considered two movies? For the sake of the nine movies, it's considered one. one. It, oh. And he most recently referred to it as a movie. Like he said, it was okay. released as two parts, yeah. but he says it was written as a single movie, and so that's what I consider it to be. Um, but if you're going off a of box office mojo, then it's two movies. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, I always... Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Django Unchained. I've seen... Um, Glorious Bastards. And Glorious Bastards, and I've seen uh, Hateful, what, Eight. Hateful Eight. Drew Hateful just Eight. tricked John into doing his own elestination. <laughs> did you see uh, Grindhouse? <laughs> or his, uh, yeah, I did his see Grindhouse. I think I fell asleep during his half, so I don't really remember it. Did his half? It was the second half. It was the car one? Yeah. I liked the machine gun leg one better. Is that all his movies? And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is the newest one. Yeah. I, and I've not seen that one, and I very much doubt that I will. Um, but yeah, just I, – so like I guess what I was – what I'm trying to say is like I – at the time that I was into movies, I was like, well, I have to like Quentin Tarantino, and I have to like his movies. <laughs> and, and so I sort of haphazard – or half-acidly sought them out. I never saw Pulp Fiction, which... Well, it seems like you've seen from what Kill Bill on, you've seen every single one of his. Yeah. If I, so, if so, probably, so like, why would yeah, you then well, not Well, if see... you would let me continue. <laughs> Jesus. 
<laughs> we'll explain that I this this you know idea of me saying yeah I like Quentin Tarantino's stuff um, would continue and I would see the movies and enjoy them as I'm watching them and then generally after the fact sort of be like did I like that you know like I, I never really wanted to watch any of them again um, and I think what uh, I think as a whole I like moments in some of his movies. I think um, there are scenes that are like masterfully done and and really um, engaging and excellent, but his voice, and I'm not talking about his actual voice, but his Mm -hmm. directorial voice, voice. I really have grown to dislike um, his sort of indulgence and his, what I perceive as his, um, how into himself he is <clears throat> and into his own filmmaking and his sort of like the, um, reverence for like old Hollywood. And I, I guess I appreciate like his, like from like the stories I've heard of him, he, you know, he puts on these little shows in his house for people. Like not only his house, he has a theater, the new Beverly. Yeah that uh, he does the programming for, yeah. which is pretty awesome. He, he Out of a, his own collection, primarily, yeah. but yeah. And, and somehow that makes me dislike him more. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think it's because I think he's a sort of a piece of garbage. That <laughs> I don't like that he uh, gets to, like curate for people like I don't I don't know I, I like and I think this is absolutely my bias and my I, I this is based on nothing because I I don't know a lot yeah. about him I only know of uh, you know the few things that I've read about him um well but let, let me let me finish let me no let me no let me you shut him down I'm gonna shut you down me, no let, so like his I I don't like his like I'm gonna educate you Mm-hmm. Um, sort of perspective. Um, True, you don't and, need no education. Well, I do, but not from him. And then, like, recently with the release of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, as it, is, as it happens nowadays, like, people sort of start dragging out all the terrible things that people do, mm-hmm. and that comes to light. And so I've read things recently that make me like him even less, and... And so that's sort of my my relationship with him and his movies has evolved to the point where I don't know that I would ever want to see another one of his movies. But he's only got one more, so I'm not, not including Star, Star Trek, Trek. <laughs> which he keeps going back and forth on whether or not that counts right. as a tenth one. Or as is as is his prerogative. I mean, he doesn't need to do only 10 movies. It's yeah, no, I, th- I he, think yeah, he probably will do more than 10. Well, he's saying that he'll, count as one, he'll do ten. TV or something like that. So I think he'll probably do more movies. <laughs> very, Don't you think? Very possible. If he has something he really feels passionate about. I mean, he said he, he at one point said he wasn't going to do The Hateful Eight. As a result, right? right. He, oh yeah, he got so he, mad. He just he. I mean, he that's just, yeah, yeah. And then eventually yeah. he came around and well, said the yeah. script Terran tantrum. Yeah, he took it. He threw a Terran tantrum. Yeah, I think it's interesting you point out that whole sort of curatorial, curia, curatorial aspect yeah. of him, um, which was, I, I can see why someone might bristle at that 
I um, like it on it. I like the idea of it. Right. But I don't but like him as in execution. Curator. If Tom yes. Hanks was doing it, he'd be all in. <laughs> I mean, but seriously. I mean, what no. I think is what's <laughs> interesting to me about that. Bob Ross was doing <laughs> That is actually nice. probably more more responsible for my interest in him than his, mm. his directorial efforts. Yeah. Or, and it's, or at least it was at the beginning. Yeah. That's what, what I found most interesting about him was he sort of came to prominence at the same time that I was like looking for movies to mm-hmm. watch, like really trying hard. And we've, we've mentioned this, this before, but I had a book called Video Hound's oh, Guide yeah, yeah, yeah. to Cult Flicks and Trash mm. Picks. Yeah. And um, I remember uh, Reservoir Dogs was in there, and I think it, I think it was just shy of Pulp Fiction. But so I, I didn't see Reservoir Dogs when it came out. I didn't really know anything about it. But I remember um, seeing, flipping through that book and reading about this movie Reservoir Dogs, and then later when Pulp Fiction came out, people then bringing up Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. but still not really connecting it or anything. And it was actually the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack that that first inspired me to actually watch it. Um, Such a good soundtrack. It and well, and music is an important part of his whole yeah. thing. But he and, and that's part of the curatorial part. You know, he he is a pop culture uh, curator. He's not just a right. movie curator, yeah. but like his soundtracks are curated from stuff that he likes yeah. and his references to DV, TV shows or shows that he likes. And so he is. Right. Very, it, 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 I think one of the criticisms of him that is partially founded has been that he is the, the, he is just aping his influences. Mm. And I don't think that that's owns into that. He he does definitely wears his influences on a sleeve and like announces them completely clearly. Yes. But I think there's a difference between celebrating your influences and just ripping them off or, you know, and I think he does. He, he, not all the time, maybe, but for the most part, he is a, he is celebrating those influences. Yeah. But anyway, so he he came to prominence not just as a director, but as a guy who loves movies mm-hmm. and loves telling people about movies. Well, he's very and, famous for having got his start when he was writing Reservoir Dogs. He was working in a video store. He's the video <laughs> store equivalent of comic book guy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's just yeah. complete. He's the quintessential. Oh, See the perk later. I love you. Uh, um, look at that car. Ooh. <laughs> so, you know, you I I also get why you would kind of be annoyed by that person, but at the same time, you know, they're very endearing. You know that they ha- are just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. But you don't want to get stuck there in the video store talking about <laughs> that long. Just give me my movie and let me get out of here. Yeah. I think what what I appreciate about him, I guess, in, in the long term, is <clears> like <throat> in the in the beginning, it was very much he was he was putting his influences and his his preferences into his movies. He was. Reservoir Dogs was essentially an American remake of City on Fire. He was into Asian action movies at the time, and you can like sort of see a, a heavy amount of that influence in it. But later, as he began to like expand and he had a, a broader voice, um, one he got better, I think, at embedding his influences in, in his own work. But then he's also had the opportunity, because of who he is and because of his success as a director 
to to be the curator on a very um, wide, widely accessible level for a lot of movies that wouldn't have otherwise been made wouldn't have otherwise been resurrected to the extent yeah, that they were like directed. <laughs> he had, uh, um, rolling thunder pictures, which was his like little, um, repertory production company that would find, uh, prints of old movies, restore them and then re-release them in, in mm-hmm. theaters in the nineties. And that was like how I saw, uh, the beyond for the first time, which is awesome. Amazing Italian horror movie that, you know, had never actually really gotten a theatrical release in the United States. So like that kind of thing, um, it's, it's a little hard. If you don't like his personality, it's very hard to not read into everything that he does, his personality, because he does bring so much of himself to those presentations. But um, that curator aspect has, has been hugely important for me um, and possibly even more so than the movies themselves. However, I do like all of his movies. Um, so Adam mentioned that uh, he had uh, been a writer initially. He he was a screenwriter before he was ever a director. And uh, he continued that uh, even after he started uh, directing. And uh, it's time for an Alistination. Alistination. This is an elicitation of scripts that Tarantino has written or doctored, but did not Truimitz. direct. <laughs> True, sorry. I'm going to start with Drew. No, I said already. True romance. True romance. I started this already. These are scripts he wrote. He either wrote himself, or he is known to have doctored or done a rewrite or a polish on. Okay. True romance. Correct. Damn it. Natural Born Killers. Correct. Those are the only two I knew. Uh, let me think. Let me think. I'm going to beat Adam at this. I mean, there is one very obvious example. We have not mentioned it yet, but he is all over it. Uh, uh, Spy Kids 2. <laughs> Adam is out. Yes. Oh, you just look. You just looking up stuff on your phone there, Drew. Uh, it wasn't related to this elicitation. Um, I'm trying to think of like movies he was involved with. Mm-hmm. That, that was the question. <laughs> 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 who's who's he friends with? Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, he is. Spy. Oh, dawn, dusk from dusk till dawn. From dusk till dawn. Yes. Kicking your ass, Adam. <laughs> what a loser. Hold on, hold on. He did co-direct that. No. No, he didn't. He did not. But Drew... Do you know he, anything about Quentin Tarantino? Drew... He, he directed a segment <laughs> of uh, Sin City. Look, he's looking at... You can't look at us right now. I, I am like, going to look it up. No, he's, you're hallucinating. You might see an answer. Put it down. Uh, Stuart Little. All right. I'm going <laughs> to no. look this up. Did I just win a <laughs> You just you did. won <laughs> All right, Tarantino. Drew wins. So he wrote the original scripts for True Romance, Natural Born Killers, and From Dust Till Dawn, which he then uh, did a polish on of his own work when they actually produced uh. it for Robert Rodriguez to direct. Um, he also has been uh, acknowledged as at least a polisher on the movie Past Midnight 
It's Pat because he's good friends. Oh, right. I, I knew Julia there was Sweeney is, was a longtime friend of his uh, from acting school. Uh, Crimson Tide. Wow. Um, oh. Which is, it's very obvious in a scene where two of the characters uh, argue about comic books. Um, curdled with Adam Baldwin, I think. And this oh. is my favorite, The Rock. Oh, uh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> now, he might have done work on other ones, too, but those are documented um, as either credited or uncredited uh, works. Yeah, uh, he was not credited for Dust Till Dawn, but if you don't think that he was helping to direct that, you're fucking full of shit. <laughs> you're just angry that I won. I'm, pr- I'm happy. I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. I'm not happy with John. I mean, I used deductive reasoning. I just thought to myself, who does he like to work with? Because I, I said Spy Kids 2, which gave me the obvious answer of who his friend is. Why? Because he directed... Who did? Robert Rodriguez did the oh. Spy Kids movies, yeah. I mean, technically, I he also co-directed Grindhouse with him. Yeah. Yeah. But not I almost said that, but I didn't think you'd let me in. let me go for that one. Yeah, I don't Would you that. have let him go for that one? No. No. I, although it's possible he may have worked on that script too. Maybe they took turns on each other's scripts. I don't know. Yeah. Took turns. Um yeah. So this is probably I mentioned he uh he went to acting school with uh, Julia Sweeney and that probably is enough of a lead in for the history of I enjoy how Drew always laughs these days. Whenever we say the history, it's like instantaneous laugh at a Drew. <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> uh, so, well, he... When was the, he born? He was born in 1963 in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, that rhymed. Then, Good job, John. Oh, thanks. Uh, he moved to Los Angeles very early, though. So he spent the um, early part of his childhood, I think up until he was about uh, seven or eight, he lived in Los Angeles in uh, Torrance, which is kind of... Uh, in the South Central area. And uh, then, and this is sort of where he became uh, a, a big moviegoer because his parents would take him to movies. When his parents divorced, his mother's boyfriends would take him to movies to try to court his favor. Um, uh. But it sounds like he had a really good upbringing, like uh, apart from the broken home situation, he, he lived a, a pretty charmed life in L.A., and then at kind of age eight or nine, I can't remember exactly when it was. It was 1973. He gets... That'll be 10. 10, yeah, 10. Shipped back to Tennessee to live with his grandparents in a rural part of Tennessee where he has access to a drive-in but no other theaters. And so he's he has acknowledged this as he missed out on uh, all of the big movies of 1973. He didn't get to see Enter the Dragon when it came out or The Exorcist, or The Sting. Yeah, he was on um, a podcast recently talking about missing Enter the Dragon, and like everyone at school was like, this is the best movie of all time, and yeah. like everyone's seen this movie, you know, so excited about it, but he hadn't seen it. And um, and then he saw Kentucky Fried Movie, yeah. which has a spoof of it in it, and he loved that movie, and when he finally got around to seeing Enter the Dragon, he was like, oh, this is like that movie, but without all the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> It's like how um, Weird Al introduced most popular music right, to me when I was right, a kid. Yeah. Yep. So he eventually moves back to L.A. And um, he... Uh, it was just a year that he was in, back yeah, in Tennessee. Yeah, just the one Tennessee year. Once he's back in L.A., he's doing everything he can to to get into uh, 
movies. He's going to see movies. He eventually works as an usher at a porn theater. Usher, usher. Um, um, did you know in there's a scene in the new movie that uh, ooh. I, it's not a big spoiler. Okay, it's not a. It's fine. Oh, it's, we it's, don't get to do it's, spoilers for that movie. It's, hell no, I haven't seen it yet. Damn it! I did put a spoiler alert on the beginning of this. Cool, but uh, that's not a spoiler. Your friend Adam. <sighs> I'm so mad you didn't see it. Have you seen it? No. Well, I'm so confused. <laughs> I just read about it. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm actually, seriously, when we're done here, go see it tonight. So, no spoilers for me. Thank you. So, man, I was going to be so smug. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can do that anyway, buddy. Margot Robbie is going into a theater, and she mm. looks down the street, mm. and there's a... Uh, porn theater that's having a premiere and she's like i didn't know porn theaters did that um that's his theater that's the new bev Mm. yeah yeah which was a porn theater at the time yes yeah and so they remade it to look like that but um but then also there's another character in the movie that is named pussycat which is named after the theater that he worked oh that's right yeah Yeah. that was where he was the usher i wonder what was new there what at the time i think you got it i did I'm not going to spell it out for you. What's new? Uh, <laughs> so he uh, he decides he wants to be an actor. And uh, he starts going to acting school, James Best Acting School. If you don't know James Best, you would probably uh, recognize him better by his uh, famous portrayal of Roscoe P. Coltrane on the Dukes of Hazard. Really? Yes. He had his own acting school. He had his own acting school. Oh, wow. And Quentin Tarantino and that's was his student. Tarantino acts like him in all of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> he is a little bit racist in them. Uh. Uh, he, as mentioned, worked at uh, Video Archives in Manhattan Beach, California, where he first got to be the curator for people. Um, and I think he he's not the first person to kind of be the the voice of the unsung grindhouse movie but um his rise rise sort of coincided (laughs) with um vhs making a lot of fairly obscure movies more accessible Mm -hmm. so he was actually able to to one access more things himself and turn it over to people to other people and people allegedly used to come in you know, specifically to talk to him to get his recommendation based on their preferences. Like he would remember what they were into. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, Citation needed. But around that, <laughs> but around that time, uh, he's also trying to make his own films and writing scripts. His first project to actually sort of come to fruition is this uh, sort of unreleased short called "My Best Friend's Birthday." Um, which he wrote, co-directed, I think, and stars in. And uh, it's very, um, I've only seen a few scenes from it, but it is very palpably early Tarantino. Mm-hmm. There's a scene of him like just at this, uh, at this birthday party uh, spouting off about how uh, the, the homoeroticism of Top Gun or something like that. I thought like that, that was from a, an actual movie. I've seen that. Yeah, I must have seen that. I think it did get repurposed okay, for he, another he movie. Okay, he put it in. Like, he either... It, it was... I, think so. was, I don't think it was... It's not his, his movie. movie. Yeah. No, but he's some, in the movie. he used that for somebody else's yeah. thing. What uh, movie is that? It doesn't drive me crazy. I'll look it up. Thanks, Drew. 
Is there any scenes of that, like, on the internet? Yeah. Can we you put can them in the show there's, notes? I think there's actually a DVD that has, like, whatever was completed of it Can available. we physically put the DVD in the show notes? We'll put the DVD, DVD. DVD in the show notes. Thank you. Um, so he, uh, because of his connections uh, through video archives and... Um, All those sweet video store connections. Yes. <laughs> he uh, eventually... Uh, I think this is right. He he wrote From Dusk Till Dawn first, and that was a commission um, from Greg Nicotero, I believe, who was part of K&B FX, who wanted to do his own horror movie. He used to work with Tom Savini, and uh, he commissioned Tarantino to write this vampire movie, and it was Tarantino's idea that, like, it wouldn't actually be a vampire movie until the middle, that, you know, he would do it sort of as, as a crime movie, he he described it as his idea being like, let's take a video from one side of the video store and combine it with a video from that's, the other side of the video store. That's so interesting. I did not know that backstory behind it because I always envisioned that um, that it was Tarantino and Rodriguez and they were like, hey, let's make a movie where it feels It'd be like... It's a pre-Grindhouse Grindhouse. Yeah, it yeah, has a very similar is, is Rodriguez style. and the first half of it is all Tarantino. And um, yeah, that's a movie that... I wish I could show to somebody who had never heard of it just because that halfway. Have you seen that, Drew? No. All right. Can you not hear about it? I've already heard about it. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. But the halfway point. I watched that scene with Salma Hayek. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> um, uh, but that, that point. There's nothing before it that, that tells hints you about vampires at all. It's a yeah. just very straightforward story about hmm. these criminals hijacking a family to drive into Mexico. Um, and then the rest of the movie is just bonkers. All vampires. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like, uh, um, assault on precinct 13 influenced. Um, and he's acknowledged that. And he's even said, yeah. in fact, the, the kid in the movie even wears a, his band, which we don't really get much backstory on is named precinct 13. Um, quick, uh, interjection. Yeah. The movie where he does the Top Gun thing is Sleep With Me. Sleep With Me. 1986. Sleep With Me. Sleep With Me. Um, <laughs> Just let me. <laughs> so he, he writes that to order, but meanwhile he wants to direct. He wants to, to, to write his own vehicle for directing. And the first one that he writes is True Romance. And that, he shops it around and it eventually gets attention, but gets taken away from him. And so it's in development for three or four years before it ever actually gets made. So he writes another script to be his first movie, and that's Natural Born Killers. And then that one gets purchased and thrown into development and where it lingers for years and years and years. So he finally sits we, down. Uh, mentioned Natural Born Killers on last week's episode. Yeah. Oh. Cheers. How it, it, Shelley Long. Uh, yes. <laughs> how it completely changed the national um, sort Born of. Born Killer. <laughs> the national uh, perception of Woody Harrelson. Correct. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so finally, he, he nails it with uh, Reservoir Dogs. He manages to uh, get the attention of Lawrence Tierney, who is in Reservoir Dogs and uh, had some production producer connections. And uh, Harvey Keitel uh, comes on board, and he reads it, and he's a big fan of um, 
the ideas that Tarantino's working with. So he becomes kind of this advocate for Tarantino. Yeah, Tarantino and, said that like on set, the producers would be like, "What do you think about this?" And they turn to Harvey Keitel and ask him, and then he would turn to Tarantino, and he was just the ultimate voice on it, but mm-hmm. only through Keitel. Huh. Yeah, he was able to to get his ideas. Wow. Yeah, cemented in there. Um, Reservoir Dogs opens. Um, it is alleged that one of the people who walked out of the screening at Sundance, I think it was, it was Harvey Keitel. Strangely. <laughs> <laughs> what have I been doing? <laughs> was Wes Craven, oh, the really? director Whoa. of Nightmare on Elm Street, who was so offended by the um, stuck in the middle with you uh, torture <clears throat> sequence, um, which, of course, is the most notorious part of that movie. Remind me what, uh, what happens in that scene? Ooh. Is that the so, ear? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he is the, the main character, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term is Mr. Orange. Yeah. And he is bleeding on the floor of this warehouse. The heist has gone awry yeah. and they're trying to figure out who's the rat. And, he and Harvey Keitel are back and forth, and then Steve Buscemi comes in, and he, and they're trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, and they've been talking about Mr. Blonde and how he he went haywire and caused all of this chaos. Mm. So, and they think Mr. Blonde's dead. They think the rest of them could be dead. But then Mr. Blonde shows up, and he's brought with him a captive cop that he brings in. Uh, so, uh, Harvey Keitel and Steve Buscemi go out to get the remaining diamonds that Steve Buscemi has hidden, leaving. Mr. Blonde, uh, who's seemingly very docile and, and Which, even what tempered. Is What's, this is Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Michael Madsen decides to, uh, while they're away and while Mr. Orange is bleeding on the floor, that's uh, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. I should say stomach gunshot wound, which is a very slow agonizing way to die. Yeah. So, uh, he begins, Michael Madsen decides to torture this cop. Not because he wants information, but just because he thinks it'll be fun to torture this cop. And the the sequence, we'll put it in the show notes, um, is Ooh. noteworthy, not so much for what you see, but what you don't see and the way it's depicted. And the the camera is moves very much like uh, a person mm-hmm. in that it it's it's following him around, it's following Michael Madsen around. Um, and it like starts to follow him over as he's digging into the ear with this, um, straight razor. And then at the last minute, it just like quickly pivots away. Like it's as no, if you couldn't I, take, yeah. I don't want to watch this. I can't handle this. And then, which is totally worse. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it is very visceral. I think is the word you used earlier. I did. Uh, I did. And, uh, but, and I will say you mentioned earlier that there's, that it lacks the, or maybe you mentioned it, Nick, that it, it lacks the, um, levity, levity, but there is that moment where Mr. Blonde wanders back into frame, holding the guy's ear and he like speaks into it. Can you hear this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that movie plays the comedy for the sake of the violence. And there are other yeah. movies that play the violence for laughs. For mm. comedy. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Cause that just makes you uncomfortable when that happens. It's like, it, it's yeah. kind of funny. You're like, it's <laughs> just <God>. scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it becomes somewhat sensational and it gets him a lot of attention. Um, he goes to the Sundance Institute where he starts learning a little bit more about editing and, and the, 
because he never went to film school, right? You know, um, I think he didn't he drop out of like middle school. Uh, he he didn't yeah. finish high school. He did not I think finish he might high have school. Finished. Yeah, I think he did. He he re-enrolled in in middle school and then was in high school for like two years. I think he was like a sophomore when he dropped out um, and started working at the porno theater. Um, As you do. He goes to uh, Sony Columbia Pictures, TriStar Pictures to start developing this idea that he has for an anthology movie. While he's there, he meets Robert Rodriguez, who's working, who who had El Mariachi who he made independently and he's developing Desperado. So they strike up this friendship. We should work together someday. Okay. Goes off. He eventually does Pulp Fiction for Miramax and, uh, that he and Harvey Weinstein become best buddies. Ooh boy. Yeah. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. A relationship that would never sour with time. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Pulp Fiction, um, wins the Palm d'Or at Cannes. Film festival. Top prize. Yeah. Um, and, and some woman in the crowd, as he's going up to get it, starts yelling in French, It's shit! It's f***ing shit! <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and when he accepts the award, he says something along the lines of, like, um, he, he never expected to win an award like this because he doesn't make movies to please people. He makes movies that divide people and kind of gives a nod to her, like, I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it gets nominated for uh, Best Picture in the Oscars. He gets nominated for Best Director. He wins with uh, Roger Avery for the Best Screenplay for Pulp Fiction, which is the only Academy Award he's ever won. Um, but Pulp Fiction is... He didn't win one for his acting in that <laughs> <laughs> Can you check your notes? I'll double... Yeah, we'll, we'll make an addendum, a special addendum for that later. Um, it's, it's funny that he started out in acting, and I think yeah. somebody... Samuel Jackson or somebody said that if um, somebody gave him a part in a TV show, he'd quit directing forever because he really only wants to be an actor, but he's really bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) He's just not good at it. No. He's really not. And that that is by far the worst scene in Pulp Fiction, um, which, one, it hasn't aged well because he's dropping N-words left and right. Yeah, it's really... And then his wife shows up and she's black and you almost feel him be like, look, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. terrible um but uh but also but more importantly he's just a bad actor (laughs) yeah his his delivery is very awkward in pretty much everything he's ever acted in yeah um and lived (laughs) (laughs) we'll get to that um he's also he's he's said on many occasions that he doesn't consider himself a screenwriter but he's always wanted to be a novelist and you saw a little bit of that in Reservoir Dogs, but with Pulp Fiction, it really takes over aggressively the majority of his work, having this novelistic structure where he's jumping around in time and treating every act as a as a chapter mm. and titling them as chapters. Um, and again, kind of super heavy dialogue, which would have right been a book. Also, his his one of his noteworthy um, traits. True. Do you feel like you've seen Pulp Fiction because it's such a part of? The public conscious. Actually, I don't. I mean, I, I definitely, um, I think what stands out to me from what I've gleaned from, you know, general uh, whatever uh, is the, um, God, what's his name? Sam Jackson and John Travolta. John Travolta's characters um, and the, uh, say what again or whatever scene like that, that, 
those two characters are really the only ones that I am aware of. And then there's the Simpsons episode that parodies Pulp Fiction. The Gimp scene. Um, yeah, like mm-hmm. there's, I assume that, that most of that is in some way informed by the actual movie Pulp Fiction to some degree. Yes. Yeah, I haven't seen that Simpsons, but... Um, but yeah, I, I I have really no idea. I know that it's an anthology. I didn't know that for a long time. I didn't realize it was like it, I, a lot it's, of stories. It's crossing over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not necessarily an anthology in the strictest sense, but I, I was like surprised. I, I learned very recently that there's a briefcase in it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's the MacGuffin of the movie. So that's... that someone opens and like you know, like you don't know what's in there, yeah. and then but it has a glow, yeah, yeah. and it transfixes. And uh, I only people. know about that because someone posted a photo on Reddit of the interior of the briefcase. Really, it's just a light bulb. It's just yeah, yeah a light bulb or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's a thing from the movie. So then I like looked up. Yeah. So that that has a mythology that everyone like wonders what was actually in it, mm-hmm. and Tarantino has said that. He didn't have anything right. intended to be in it. Yeah. Um, so nothing. Did it's just you, a MacGuffin. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a straight up old school MacGuffin. Right. Did you know that Tarantino's character and that movie and Mr. Blonde Reservoir Dogs were brothers? I didn't even know Tarantino was in Pulp I'm Fiction. sorry, John Travolta. John Travolta's character. Um, oh, and I Mr. did. Blonde were brothers. Yes, I did the know that. Because I have read about his sort of various universe structures Mm -hmm. like one within the other. And so I knew that, um, I couldn't have told you that, but when you tell me that I have read that. Gotcha. It reminds me that I, I've read that that's a connection. And he allegedly was going to actually do a Vega murders movie. He talked about it. Um, and essentially, Madsen especially has aged out of the possibility of it at this point. So he's like kind of. I mean, I think I both mean, of them. <laughs> I was about to say, well, John Travolta. Madsen's looking pretty good compared to Travolta. Oh, I guess in, in any given day, either one looks worse than, than the mm-hmm. other. I yeah. feel like now would be the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I guess it's supposed to be them in like their, That should be his 10th movie. Yeah, late 20s, early 30s. So I feel he's, like people would go fucking nuts if, if he made that his 10 movie, 10th movie. He's Thank also said that he amazing. was uh, interested in doing a Kill Bill Volume Three, Kill Bill 3 set yeah. later on. Oh, because the, the whole like the girl. you're gonna come seek me out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't blame you for it, or whatever. But yeah. he's also said that he considered doing the origin story of Bill too. Mm, like, yeah. So he thinks about a lot of things. And, yes, yeah. <laughs> which makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's he's a lot of little ideas like that come to him, and and he also yeah. is a hyperactive right. interviewee. Yeah, so it seems just, like he just... He just throws stuff out yeah, there, yeah. yeah. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of thought behind it. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about that, but I don't know if you want to do it now or later. What about him? His interviews. Oh. Uh, just a little aside, but... Yeah, sure. So I, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but he... Um, so obviously the dude's kind of an ass. We've established <laughs> that. Cool. Um, something that he does that kind of really... One of the one of the proverbial nails in this coffin of him being an ass is if you see, he will put on a, for lack of a better word, African American accent yeah. in front of African American crowds, yeah. and it's it's garish. Oh god! Like there's like videos of him like yeah, with like white crowd and he's blah, 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 and black crowd and he's it's it's crazy. It takes on like a dialect. There, there's definitely yes. a, a yeah some sort of dialect happening 
whether it's conscious or not. Like that's well, and that's the thing is that it it almost seems like it's not, which is almost to me worse that he doesn't even realize he's doing it. That's you know, um, I I, I don't want to. I'm not going to say anything to excuse it. He I will say that he went to black schools when he was young, and like he thinks that it's justified for him to talk however he wants because yeah. He just grew up that way, you know? Right. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, I, 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 the mixed feeling I have about that is that everybody um, talks in a different way depending on who they're talking to, period. Yeah, that's true. You know? that's um, but when you do it like that, it's cartoonish and uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think the sort of barometer for how you take that is – if you watch that and you feel really uncomfortable watching it, it's probably not appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel uncomfortable just listening to him talk. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, I think um, the more successful he becomes and like the, the, the more that does become problem problematic, you know, like, like um, as you said, he, he lived a, a somewhat, privileged life you know he had a he had some if dysfunction it, at home it sounds like oppor- opportunity wise if not right. like physical wealth or anything and so just the optics of you know this white director i'm gonna assume wealthy mm-hmm. putting on some kind of affectation yeah. only in front of african-american crowds like whether he intends it or not, or what, however he perceives it, like it just doesn't, you know. I, I don't know. If there's what if that is him in his most comfortable state? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, he talks like he did when he was in middle school, or whatever. Right? Yeah, right. he's just reverting to like, yeah, his. I don't know. Yeah, I, his I earliest don't, language. I don't like it. If it felt natural, I guess I'd be okay with. It, but you I've, again, nothing that he says is natural. Yeah. Either. Well, and he's so gangly. No, I, I, and... abs- I disagree. I mean, I feel like when he's talking. He's just being interviewed or whatever, and it's just him going like as as awkward and and um, uh, uncomfortable as it is to watch. It feels natural in terms of like. And to that point, there's other videos of him basically being asked kind of inane questions, and he is very eloquent in like shutting that shit down. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, like he's he, he's capable he's of very, articulating. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, exactly. Very capable uh. when he needs to be. So it's like, then it's like, well, okay, so maybe he is aware he's doing it. I don't know. It's, it's. Well, and he, I, I, I believe he's been asked about the, the affect that he oh, really? has put on. Um, and I, I can't remember what his response to that was, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's an odd thing. I mean, there, personality wise and, and sort of his, he, him as a person. Um, I think he's a, he's a kind of a good example of like, are you just the general you able to separate the art from the artist, mm-hmm. Right. And if, if, if you perceive him to be a problematic person, does that affect your, you know, appreciation, appreciation right. of, of his art? Yeah. Um, and the choices he makes in his art. And the choices he makes as a director, it, the choices he makes in directing people and how he treats them on his sets, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that's for me also what is 
um, been affecting my sort of like desire to continue to like, you know, see his movies or, or anything like that, that the more I sort of learn about him, the less interested I am. And, uh, so his perspective, um, the thing that I know of that I think you're thinking of, I don't know what else he's done, but it's that he pushed Uma Thurman, uh, to do a dangerous stunt in a car that almost killed her. Um, or is that what you're thinking? No, there, no? Okay. but it was Uma Thurman. Um, he choked her. No, that was the French girl in Inglourious Bastards. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a scene where some characters be oh, choking yeah, her and his he's like, the guy was doing it's like, Get, the, get out of the way. Like, you're not doing it right. Let me yeah. do it. And I should, like, almost choke this girl out. Well, or and, she fell and, uh, almost fell unconscious. I, I believe I read that at the time on the set, he talked with her and, and she agreed to this. She did. And, you know, and and that's... But but you can also go into power dynamics and all this stuff with that kind of yeah. thing. And, you know, it's a... It was consensual, but I think it was a way movie And, far. you know, he's yeah. the director and he's mm-hmm. asking her to do... So, Whatever. I don't even care if she consented to it. Like the fact that he felt that is necessary. I, I in general with the acting, the fact that he did it is is bad. Yeah, like, have, yeah. Have somebody yeah. who's a trained stunt. Well, that too. Person. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, he was. Right. He was. He was does not, doesn't look right. Doesn't. He's not. Yeah. Let's do fake. Let's do fake. Let me do it. Out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. So his his decisions. I don't. I feel like he. Uh, his decisions not come from, come from a place of like making sure the people he's he's working with are comfortable and feel safe and feel you know like his decision is I want to make the, the best movie, movie I want I want to yeah I, I need like, my vision to be realized and however that happens like Kubrick it will, happens yeah. yeah yeah break his actors down right to get them yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. one shot the funny thing is I just read something yesterday about how. Um, People, obviously, actors love working with him in general. Right. Um, he is an actor's director. But um, I read an anecdote yesterday about how people love working on his sets. Like, mm-hmm. they, they actors have said it's not just the relationship with him, but it's just working on his set is a completely different dynamic than you get on any other set. And he has this thing that he establishes where he, he's doing takes of shots and then he'll say, let's do it again. Why? And then everybody ha- on the set jumps in and says, because we love making movies. And like he has this very joyful um, vibe on the set. So I've been filming jokes. this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been filming this movie the last week or so. Because we love um, making movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, having done film in the past and, you know, again, within the last 48 hours, been on a film set, it's just... Are you working on another 48 hours? I am. Thanks for, thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> another, another 48 another, hours. Another. <laughs> Part two. Um, yeah, it's... It, it's Everything else we've been talking about aside, like, that is just fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Like, that is yeah. just a neat thing. You're on set, you're doing shot for shot, you're trying to get stuff, and that can be so rewarding but frustrating... And then to have that attitude just as an underlying constant yeah. current is just awesome. It just really is. Yeah. But how many of the people on set are like me and they're like, oh, God, we have to say it again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my, my cynicism would absolutely shine through. Like, I love making movies. Moment. Do I have to fucking say it? Yeah. Like, why do I have to tell you? 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I feel uh, we're not done with this topic in the slightest. Personally. I mean, I, I had a whole other game we could play, but yeah. maybe I'm gonna, we'll, we'll I'm come gonna back say, to I'm it. I'm going to propose. Uh, why don't we go ahead and do a part two of this thing? You'll go see it. The okay. movie. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll talk about those things that we can't talk about. Right. And play we'll that play game. Play the game. Play the All game. Right. Finish talking about. Uh, there's so much more to go into with this. All right. I'm good with I'm that. I'm somewhat sickened by the fact that we're going to do a part two on Quentin Tarantino. Well, no, but, but it's, it's a, actually going to be one. It's, 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 it's a volume. It's actually going to be a whole episode, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll do that. We'll reconvene here, uh, and we'll talk more Tarantino. So do we? Obviously, don't put it in anywhere, right? We no, just we just leave it right here. Leave it leave right it next to the river. Leave it in the. Leave it next. <laughs> <laughs>